Welcome to Tech Whisperers, the podcast that takes you inside the playbook of the world's best digital leaders. This is a show for digital and business leaders who are passionate about learning from the industry shapers and market makers. Join your host, Dan Roberts, as he unpacks the unique stories, leadership philosophies, and answer the call moments that define and differentiate the best leaders of our day. Our goal is to help you gain an edge and move you beyond your comfort zone so that you are driving more impact and value for your team, your company, and your career. Let's get into the show and hear from another amazing tech whisperer. All right, welcome back. We're here at the Terranea Five Star Resort with Ralph Laura, SVP, CIO Lumentum, part two. So much to talk about, so thanks for hanging in there and being patient, Ralph. We're at the CR100 celebrating you all, great, great leaders. And so we, in episode one, part one, we talked about Ralph, the chief storytelling officer, Ralph, the chief truth-telling officer. Now I want to jump into Ralph, the chief motivation officer, the CMO, and Ralph, the chief sustainability officer. Sound good? Sounds good. We'll dig in here. So, you know, Ralph, you're no stranger to to the VUCA acronym, right? It's a VUCA world. And for those who haven't heard that before, Bob Johansson, futurist up in the Bay Area, really, really made that popular. But we live in a world that's volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, right? So a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion. The next few years are not going to be any easier. Change is not just constant, it's accelerating. But yet, Ralph, I've known you for a long time. I've never seen you so energized. So talk about that. Where's that come from? It's interesting. I was just talking to uh, uh, one of my leaders on a call earlier this morning, and I was pointing out, you know, th- through pandemic, we've all had our kind of ups and downs and ebbs and flows in terms of engagement or excitement level or whatnot, because it, it can wear on you over time. And it was interesting. I was saying how, like, we have never been busier. We have two acquisitions we just closed on. We're doing acquisition integration, kicked off our calendar year worth of projects. We're growing and expanding the company. We have a massive expansion project of our factory in, in Thailand. We're doing this new factory floor system that we're deploying. Like we are, we've never been busy. And I'm saying, you know, I feel great. <laughs> and he, he's like, you know, I feel great too. And part of this is like, you know, I, I think activity focus energizes me. And, and I think it energizes most people. Nobody wants to sit and polish the, polish the, the, the 10Q every quarter and do the, the boring maintenance work. It's exciting to be do something meaningful, and so uh, I think it's easier to stay positive when there's activity and things going on. The other thing I think, uh, particularly in the VUCA uh, uh, framing, there's a lot you can do, but not end up becoming overwhelmed by by something like volatility, for for instance. If you like things to be simple, you like things to be predictable. That that can be really unsettling. So how can you put yourself in a position where you're ready for you. You're actually anticipating it to be different. Right. How can I? How can I actually ru- kind of run toward the volatility in a way that I feel like I'm in more control and I'm not being uh, mm. overwhelmed? You know, uncertainty, uh, same sort of thing. The one thing I'm sure of today is that I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And so, how do I again put myself in a frame of mind for that and and so on? I was talking to um, a friend of mine, Tim, who you were recently talking to as well about travel, and I said, you know. Travel is worse now than it seems like it's ever been, the logistical challenges and the short staff shortages. So you've got to put yourself in the, mo- in the you know, almost like you have the little Zen switch you turn on in your head going, you know what, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm just going to, I know it's going to be what it is. And 
I'm going to come prepared and I'm not going to pace and get excited. I'm just going to like yeah. go with the flow. And so there are times, it, a lot of this is about mental mindset and kind of preparedness. And I'm a big believer in mindset. And I mean, when we talk about motivation, yes, like 90% of motivation is helping people find the right mindset to mm -hmm. engage what's happening around them. So what's the mindset around, I mean, you and I are both big believers in that in spite of all that stuff going on, there's never been a better time to be an IT leader, right? But it does take a new mindset, a new muscle, showing up different, maybe moving out of the comfort zone. How do you do that yourself? So it's kind of been, in some ways, a, a secret to my career over time is every time something I found something uncomfortable or I felt like someone else knew more than I did or this new thing happened and I was kind of out of the loop, that's what I, I would go to the thing that was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I was a coder early in my career. And I, you know, structured programming and this classic stuff. And then object-oriented programming came out. And I knew nothing about it. And it was a bit of a mystery. So instead of, I don't know, digging that, I went and I spent, you know, three months teaching myself object-oriented programming. You know, more recently in the last four or five years, you know, blockchain as a technology came out, AI ML. So you can look at blockchain and be missed. People are like, what's, what are digital coins and why should I matter? And is that real? You know, so I went out and I, you know, I kind of educated myself, read material, I looked at the code to some degree, understood some of what is going on, tried to understand the macro mm -hmm. models of, because a huge part of blockchain and Bitcoin and others isn't the technology itself, it's the ecosystem that the coin mining and so on creates, which allows you to create, you know, scale networks faster and with the network effect and so on. So I, I spent time understanding that. So then, then I could have a point of view. So then it wasn't. Right. It didn't scare me anymore. It wasn't an unknown. It didn't create a, that icky feeling in the pit of your stomach anymore. I was like, oh, I got, I know this. I got that. I have a point of view informed enough that I can now move on to something else. Because you know the question's going to come. You don't want to be surprised. So back to anticipating and moving out of the comfort zone, Ralph, one of the, the phrases that drives me crazy, and I know it does you too, the notion of fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I, it just seems disingenuous. It doesn't seem, you know what I mean? So you've got a different way of thinking about that. Yeah, it is a, it's frustrating, right? Because it, it you know, because that's very disingenuous, right? It's about being fake and plastic and not having any meaning behind it or meat behind it. it it's really more about face it till you make it. Yep. And part of the thinking is a guarantee that your CEO, CMO, CFO doesn't know the answer to every question they get every day. They're not faking it. They're but you know what? They're going to take the hard question from the analyst, from the employee, from the investor, the partner, the customer, and they're going to take it head on and go, okay, you know what? That's a good question. Let me go research and come back to you. Or, gee, off the cuff, here's how I'm thinking about that moment. But that's a fair criticism or, or whatever. Here's how I think about that. And here's what I'll, what I'll do to come back to you. And, and so facing the music and, and dealing with some of those uncomfortable things up front is how, how you make it, right? It's, it's, you've, you've got to go through to some degree, go through the journey to end up at the other end. You know, we've been through uh, a lot of discussion here. We haven't talked about Lumentum and maybe people don't know the company, but they certainly are touched by Lumentum in a lot of, a lot yeah. of ways. So what, what attracted you there? You, you know, you answered the call, you came doing some big things. You mentioned the acquisitions. Yeah. So talk about Lumentum. Well, so it's, so it's interesting. Again, I'm, I'm a big believer in people. Again, an old boss used to say, people don't work for companies, they work for people. Right. And so, in fact, uh, I left my prior role. We had a PE firm uh, invest in the company, and I took a 
the opportunity to leave and take a little time off. And I was kind of, you know, being frankly kind of picky about what the next role was going to be. And I had a number of opportunities and none of them kind of resonated. And then I got a call from a, an old friend, uh, Brian Lilly. And Brian was CEO for Equinix for years. Yeah. Uh, he's on the board of Lamentum. And Brian said, hey, you know, Lamentum's looking for a new CIO. You'd be great. You should talk to Al. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't know. They're a semiconductor, photonics. Like, I don't know. That doesn't seem super exciting. Like, he said, no, 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 no. You got to talk to Al. Like, mm. do, do me a favor. You guys would hit it off. Okay. Before I talked to Alan, I did, you know, did a little research. Well, it turns out, you know, so Lumentum had spun out about seven years ago from JDSU. Well, Chris Betty, who's now the CIO at ServiceNow, good friend, was CIO at Service or at JDSU. So, hey, Chris, you used to work with Alan. Tell me what he's like. And by the way, not just Alan, but like Vince and half the other team. Great. So I got a little insight as to how they are as leaders, what the business is like. Tim Campos, who was CIO at Facebook for a number of years, Tim was on the board at JDSU. Hey, Tim. As a board member, what was it like to deal with these guys? What, tell me about the business. What excited you? What didn't? Gus over at Flextronics knew the team well. and it inter- So I literally talked to six people wow. before I met Alan. And by the time I met him, I felt like I knew him. Right? And I'm like, you know, I, I already had this assessment. He and I are going to get along. Like, mm. I like his style, his candor, his transparency, his kind of way of leading and working. I, re- I respected the team he had put together but, you know, before I even met them, right? So first and foremost, it was... What attracted me to Lamenta was a team, mm. a great leadership team, a solid culture. Yeah. And then to tell you a story of one of the things that attracted me to Alan. Uh, so I started October 22nd, four years ago. Okay. So this, this coming October, my four-year anniversary at Lamenta. And then we had our you know, annual holiday party a, a month or so later. And it was my, the time, first time my wife met our CEO. And so she bumped well, say, hey, you know, like, how's it going? And, you know, great. And she goes, so how's he doing? <laughs> And Alan's comment was, I don't know, he hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> Too early to tell. And that's kind of Alan's sense of humor and personality, but also fair. Right. Like, hey, it's a CIO job. Like, I don't know, he showed up, he's been in a few meetings, he seems intelligent, but like, I don't know, right. he hadn't done anything yet. Which is a good reminder of like, hey, you know, we, we're all, you know, we're, we're, you're only as good as the last project you delivered or the last, the last thing you got done. That's right. That's good. So I want to pivot to Ralph, the Chief Sustainability Officer, the CSO. And new organization that you've been very integral to, Sustainable IT. And I really want to encourage people to go look at the website, sustainableit.org. Yep. When they do that, they're going to see some faces of like a who's who's list of like rock star leader. Like, like who are some of the people on your board? So we've got, you mentioned Rich Gilberts, a member, the CEO from Choice Hotels. We've got a number of banks and financial institutions represented. We've got clothing brands. We've got the CIO of Waste Management, uh, the largest waste processor in North America, mm. which you think, well, that's ironic. Why would you know somebody that collects garbage for a living be on a board that's worried about the environment? And it turns out, I mean, their whole business model is based on the environment. Their business model is about recycling and reuse and sustainable management of, mm. of waste stream and, and, and making sure that we can all live and work in a world that will be the kind of world you want to live and work in generations from now. So we have a great board. So the quick story on, the, on sustainable IT was a, a few, so 10 years ago, I was, I, I won't say I was kind of in the right place at the right time. I happened to be talking, had a common set of problems with a common set, a great set of CIOs. And a bunch of us got together and we were over, actually Rebecca Jacoby was at Cisco at the time. Mm-hmm. And Becky got together, uh, Don Duet was at Goldman. 
Bong Tram was at DuPont. Uh, Tony Scott was CIO at Microsoft at the time. So there were eight of us got together. And we were all kind of complaining in a way about, you know, we all have, you know, these massive financial models, the pivot table from hell, like this big Excel spreadsheet that keeps track of budget and allocation and costs and so on. And, and Becky has a manufacturing background. And she coined it really appropriately, said, hey, you know, she, she talked about the bill of IT, sort of like a bill of material. You know, mm-hmm. bill of material, hey, I'm going to build a watch. Well, there are 2,000 parts in a watch. And so the watch is the one, and you explode that to there's eight, so there's the band and the da da da. And it explodes out all the parts and components and the screws that go in to make the watch. Hmm. A bill of IT is the same way. If you have a service, my service might be, you know, it might be end user compute. It's a PC to work on. Well, right. that service includes a laptop that's provisioned and includes endpoint management, security, includes a set of software that's deployed and run. It includes a network, it includes the cloud services mm-hmm. to run email and, and, and so on, you know, and so on, and so on, and so on. So there's a bunch of pieces that go in. It includes the help desk and service desk and the personnel that are responding. So there's a massive amount that goes into creating that one thing, which is provisioning a laptop for a user. Right. And, and if you, you really want to understand the costs of IT or the how do I improve something or how do I make something more efficient, you really have to break it down to those components and understand those choices. And we, we all have those problems. Every CIO has, again, this massive spreadsheet that keeps track of all this. And there's a couple of companies. There's a company uh, called Aptio that built a cloud-based platform to do that work. Uh, mm-hmm. There were a, a couple others that uh, come along the way. ServiceNow bought one of them and it has some modules or several others out there. But several of us basically had the same problem. And we said, so even using a tool like Aptio, what was missing was a common model, a reference model. Okay. So you start with Aptio and go, oh, well, now I have to figure out how do I want to represent my bill of IT for end-user services? Well, this goes here. The, oh, we, we all do it the same way, or mostly. So mm-hmm. we kind of got together and we created a, a framework. So we said, hey, let's create, and we ended up calling it the Aptio Technology Unified Management Framework that created this, this way, a common way to organize, measure some of those low-level empowered services okay. that helped us a lot. And we founded a nonprofit around it so that we could give that back to the community. And it was called, it is called the TBM Council. We founded it 10 years ago, and here 10 years later, it's now got over 5,000 member uh, organizations. It has created a book, classes, certifications. If you go to LinkedIn and look for TBM in a job description, there are thousands of people now that are TBM certified practitioners. Mm-hmm. It's humbling to look at what <laughs> came out of that. But part of this was, hey, it's a problem we're all trying to solve. Let's give back so that we can help everybody else figure out. And it was really organized around five kind of pillars and this idea of getting the value conversations that you need to have with your CEO or your board or whatnot and helping people with that. Well, I just rolled, resigned from that board after 10 years. I wanted to step back and let some other folks participate. It was a wonderful experience that I love all the work and continue to love the work going on there. But a number of us were talking about some of what's happening in the world today. We're all facing, you know, with global warming, whether you, or climate change, whether you look at it man-made or not, or a bunch of, you know, politics aside, there's some real issues in our environment that are occurring. And it feels like we should be doing more. We as technology leaders should be doing more. The analogy we are, the, the, the thought process was, hey, digital transformation. You look at companies like Airbnb disrupted mm-hmm. hoteling, Uber disrupted taxis and, and, and car services. How come we aren't disrupting the way we think of consuming and using things that net environmental, societal, and, and governance impacts? So right now, most I think most CIOs 
If they're doing a lot in that space, they're building a carbon dashboard to keep track of the carbon credits or post your ESG score at the end of the year so that your investors know what your water and carbon usage looks like and so on. It just feels like we should be doing a lot more. So you're chairing the board. You've taken that role on, which is a little little extra, especially as you're building something new. And Yeah, so like I said, we've got a great board we've pulled together, but we had a set of founding members, and I was one of the founding members that brought that together. We have a great underwriting partner at the moment, in the same way AppView kind of underwrote TVM Council. Delphix is underwriting sustainableit.org, and we're looking for other partners to participate as well to really create, again, a similar movement where we Mm -hmm. can help create standards. We can help people because everybody's trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I measure this? What are the value streams that I should be pursuing? How do I make a bigger impact on what's happening? And we shouldn't all figure that out alone. We have a lot more power in getting smart people together in a room. And uh, and that's happening. We've had a number of very active and very engaging board meetings. We're building a research agenda. We're building a standards. We've got a standards committee off the ground. We're starting to pull together some existing standards, looking where the gaps are, where there's inconsistency. So for instance, I can go to any of the three major clouds and I can say, I can figure out and I can choose. I want to put my workloads in a data center that's more green, that uses more sustainable energy or is more carbon neutral than a data center that isn't within that cloud. But I can't tell you, there's no objective measure that says, well, is the Azure cloud different than the AWS cloud or different than Google? Well, they use their own proprietary algorithm, their own number. Like, so, hey, can we do something that allows us to begin to look and compare things more objectively that allows us to, to move more forward in a, in a different kind of way? Well, as a community of CIOs, you'll have that kind of influence, right, to change that conversation. And yeah. So, Ralph, you know how much I appreciate the mystery audience question. Indeed. And we're here on site at the CO100. And so I get to call on people in person, which is kind of special. Yeah. So. One of your great friends, colleagues, peers, Rich Gilbert, just walked in. And I'm going to ask Rich hey. to come over, and he's going to be our mystery questioner today. Mystery question. Hey, awesome. Rich, welcome. Always good, <laughs> good to see, see you. Absolutely. A, appreciate ben. you being here. All Speaking right. of storytelling, we have a lot of, a lot of shared stories together. I yeah. bet. I yeah. would love to hear those. So you guys work together at HP. You've been collaborators on a lot of things, sustainability, IT, on the board together, doing some great work. But I asked Rich to come by and help me unpack your superpowers. So, Rich, take it away. What question would you ask Ralph? All right, Ralph. So we've known each other since 2015. You actually interviewed me for the role at HP. And so observing your leadership style over the years, one of the things that I have seen that's your superpower is your ability to connect people and to connect ideas and to be a connector. And I think that's one of the, the best things that you do, right, is, as one of your leadership styles, is being able to say, if somebody has a problem or if somebody needs a particular skill set or if somebody needs help with something, hmm. you tend to bring people in and connect those dots. So I see that as your superpower and would love for you to elaborate on that as a skill and tell us more about that yeah. superpower. I would say... I'm kind of average at that. My wife is an amazing connector. I I describe her often as the human social network. Mm. She just like is out there. You instantly meet people, connect people, and is always just grouping sets of friends who you're like, are they going to work? And then it turns out they're great friends and so on. So I'm kind of inspired by what she does and how she navigates life. In in my role, it was interesting. My first CIO job, Simple Technologies, 
we did a massive transformation. It was one of those like 90 hour a week grinds. We, didn't, we literally didn't know if we would survive. The company every Monday would come up. We'd see if the SEC delisted us or not because we had a bunch of, we had come in to correct some problems. We restated five years of the earnings. We had to fire and replace a number of exec staff and so on. It was a, a big turnaround. And my experience from that was when it was all done, we kind of came up for air. We succeeded. We ended up selling the company to Motorola. And it was great. And then I looked around and kind of went, well, now what? <laughs> and I realized I'd basically been off the grid and hadn't talked to anybody uh, for, you know, the better part of three years. And it was like, I was coming up for air. And, uh, and I realized, you know what? This is not a solo activity, particularly in the CIO world. And it took me a while to kind of go out and kind of reconnect the network and figure out what to do next. And from then going forward, I, I've always made it a very a, a, a specific intentional effort to talk to other people and not just in a networking way, which is sort of like the, hey, what do you do? You, can you help me or not? No, okay, yeah, but more of, hey, what do you do? Like genuine interest. And in fact, <laughs> I don't know that I embody this, but I try. Again, my father-in-law was one of the nicest, kindest men I've ever known. He passed away a few years ago. And one of the things somebody might say about someone, oh, they're, inter- they're an interesting person. And he was an interesting person, but his superpower was he was an interested person. So he would sit with you, never meet you before, and 30 minutes later, you'd have this conversation, you'd be telling him like your life story, what you're passionate about, and he was genuinely interested. That's fascinating. How did you get into that? That's this must be you must find a lot of meaning in your work. So tell me about like and and you walk away feeling great, like wow, you know, I kind of just spilled my guts to this guy or like. But if you do that, if you're interested enough about what people are genuinely doing, you try to understand and then you'll find somebody else not too long later. And you go, oh, you know, I need to introduce you to my friend Sunil because like you guys have a lot in common and he's went through the same thing. And, right. and so I just found it was natural to start going, hey, you know, you guys should talk. And, and I guess that's kind of led to fairly big network, although I never kind of think of it that way. I just set of people and I try to do different things and you try to try to help. It's powerful. I think you and Rich both do this really well. You have that combination of, I think it's the right order too. You're interested, but then you're also interesting. You know, you bring that point of view, you, you bring meaning to the conversation. And so, so Rich Affleck just became the chief transformation officer and excited to shine the light on you and your story here soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. You know, Ralph, one of your uh, superpowers is your intentionality about developing communities, connecting people, but also developing people. So I want to talk about that in terms of our tech for good. We share that that passion, right? Mm-hmm. Doing things for our community. You know, we were donating $125,000 of scholarships to our leadership development program. And what we do is we give you the ability to gift a seat in that program, nine-month program, to uh, any of the nonprofits that you work with that you're passionate about. Is any, anybody come to mind you'd like to gift that to? I, I, I would. So I've been very passionate throughout my career about mentorship. Both personally, as we've talked today, benefiting from great, great mentors, but also trying to be a mentor. And I've supported organizations like the Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Bay Area. I was on the board there for six years. A great organization. I've been very active in supporting Boys and Girls Clubs, which is a great organization. Somebody called the East Oakland Youth Development Center, which was active, very active in one of the Clorox. But more recently, I've been on the board of a company called Genesis Works. Mm. And Genesis Works... So a lot of folks are looking at, hey, how do I help folks of uh, underprivileged or with fewer means 
gain access to college and access to jobs and so on in that, in that college cycle. The problem is, if you don't start in high school, mm-hmm. they don't go to college. They don't end up there. They don't end up eligible. Right. Right. And there are a large number, of, a very shockingly large number of students in America and some of our urban areas that aren't graduating high school, aren't mm-hmm. going to college. And so our goal was to try to change it. So Genesis Works is about creating internship opportunities for high school kids in corporations. They can see the opportunity. They can see mm-hmm. that path. We develop training. We, we work with that. We run a, a strong program. And we've been able to drive graduation rates and college attendance rates up. And, the, and just the, the way you change lives of the students. Well, we, we happen to have just hired a new CIO in that organization. And it would be fantastic to have oh, that CIO become a member of the program. Outstanding. Yeah. Let's connect us up and we'll, yeah. uh, we'll get Genesis Works on our website as well and promote their good work. So thank you for that. Ralph, let's put an exclamation point on it. We've cut a lot of ground. You've opened your playbook. Great Ralphisms. When we talk, you're always um, thinking about things differently. The, the metrics that you hold yourself accountable to, the things that you look at, are we winning? Are we succeeding? So I want to give you three groups of people, and I want you to speak to how you know you're doing well with them. So your last couple of CEOs, how do you know you're winning with them? So Don Canast was CEO at Clorox when I joined there. And one of the comments Don made to me, which again was to me very gratifying, was, you don't sound like a CEO. And, you know, by that, what he meant was, you know, normally I talk, I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're so focused on technology or, 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 or speeds and feeds or whatever. Like, you sound like a, you sound like one of my leaders. Like, you sound like a businessman. So that's, that was a very effective and telling, very nice to hear. You know, I think at Lamentum, uh, Alan, great leader, and I, I was drawn to his leadership style in the first place. And a recent conversation I had with Alan, he said, you know, like, it's, you're, I mean, like, you need to do your IT stuff. Like, that's fine. And like, you're doing fine over there. And like, I, I appreciate the work you guys, you're doing. But like, you, you have way more impact when you basically get out of your lane. Like, yeah, I mean, I know you got the IT stuff, but like, I really need your insight and your contribution and, and what you have to offer in some of the other areas of the business. Working with culture change, working with some other big transformation programs and so on. So that's a an affirming comment when they're like, hey, you know, we want more of you and we want you in different places. So I guess it's good to hear. It's uh, good to hear from Alan. Yeah. Yeah. How about your folks? You know, you are, you're a talent magnet. People like to follow you. And you've even said you're mindful about where you go with your new opportunities, yeah. thinking about your people who are probably going to come with you. Yeah. I've been blessed enough to have folks sign up for multiple tours of duty, I guess. So, And they know it's not going to be an easy lift yeah, when they're yeah. with Ralph Floor because yeah. you're going to go take on a big, bold thing. Yeah, right? and we're going to do big, big things, and it's going to be, yeah, a heavy lift. And so I've had a number of folks follow me from, from Clorox to HP, from, from there to Rodana Fields, and from Rodana Fields to uh, Lamentum. I think a couple of folks have made, you know, all the hops. Like I said, there's a sense of responsibility. Like, hey, I, you know, these people are in, kind of investing in me. I want to make sure they're taken care of. There's a level of comfort. Like, it's the, hey, this is our kind of squad. I know, I know what they can do. I know what they're capable of. The whole talking about high performance teams, the trust is there because we've mm-hmm. been through a lot together. The transparency is there because we've been through a lot together. And that's, that's powerful. But I never do it. In, it's never in, like, I'm never intentional. It's like, if I go someplace, hey, are there opportunities from others? How would this fit? Would this be a place that folks would want to come? And then it's, waiting for them to reach out, right? I'm not, you know, I don't believe in, you know, I build the team and I want that team to be successful. I'm happy to hand off a really great organization to somebody else. 
And then if organically it makes sense for someone to move, then you know, I'm thrilled to have, have that opportunity. Yeah. And the third group, I mean, we had we had Rich Gilbert stop by. I mean, he was more he was excited to do that. He wanted to do that for you, right? And so you've built a great connection with people who you can call that yeah. phone a friend is yeah. always there. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh like I said, my experience at Symbol really informed that. And from that, I've always been very much more intentional about, about that. And it, it's interesting. I've been part of groups where I was the junior member, learned a lot and kind of looked up to the, to, to the other leaders. I was part of groups where you know, I was kind of the, the CIO of the moment and others were around. And the, you know, this groups where there was a, a gentleman I just got an email from about a week ago who recently retired but he was probably in his 70s when we met and in his 80s when he retired. And at first, it's sort of like, you know, a lot of his ideas are a little old school, you know. But the more I listened to, to Jim, the more I realized there's a lot, a lot to learn from, mm. from, from Jim. He's, he's been there, seen a lot. A lot of his approaches to things are maybe I would have phrased it differently or framed it in a different way. But mm. the, the lesson is, is, is sound underneath. And so, yeah, I've had, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of people. And then what's nice is if, if a challenge comes up or a topic comes up that I feel like I, that I need some help on, they kind of set up a virtual back signal, right? And you get, you send an email out. I, recently, we were looking for input on, on a couple of things. We were setting up a IT steering committee and, and trying to be a little modern and different about how we're doing it to deal with some of this big business transformation we're doing. So I sent an email out to a mailing list of some from friends I've kind of kept track of over time. And I mean, these are people that have big, big jobs. And within two hours, I have only had 10 responses with PowerPoint decks and templates and, you know, let me know if you want to talk. And that's, and I do the same. If I get a note from somebody, hey, you know, they need help, I'm happy to kick in and share what I know. Well, this has been so fun. I want to thank Delphix for letting us use their studio here on site, on location. I want to thank our videographer, Ronan, who is a real pro and... By the way, a test of someone's character, I was, it's like how you interact with people all the time. Ronan's known you for over 10 years. And before we were getting set up, I, I said, what's it like? Yeah, how do you know Ralph? He's like, Ralph is, he's kind, he's calm, he's respectful, he's a gentleman. He's just got so much respect for you. That's how he's, how he's that's how you show up, Ralph. So thank you. Thank you, Ronan. Good news. We're going to have some additional conversation with Ralph on the CI Whispers blog next week on CI.com. We'll talk about Ralph's perspectives on grit and grace and some other great insights. So, well, thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure to be here with you. Thanks a lot, Ben. Developing a robust pipeline of future-ready IT leaders who know how to show up and engage differently is paramount to success today. If you would like to learn more about the Tech LX Leadership Development Program that Dan talks about in the podcast, we invite you to visit techwhispers.net. Equip your workforce with a new mindset and skill set needed to maximize impact, increase engagement, and build a world-class talent magnet brand. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolet and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show, as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.